blessed and you feel so released this morning, don't you? So much freer than you ever did before. When was the last time you heard polka music on Sunday morning? I don't know what the world's coming to in polka music on Sunday. We were, we were even going to do a dance here on stage, but I chickened out. No, I'm teasing. I don't know how to polka. You know, emotions, as Brent was sharing earlier, are a wonderful thing. God's the one who gave them to us. Sometimes we think of emotions as a curse, don't we? We look at our emotions as something that we're either ashamed of or we wish we didn't have or they get us in trouble. But God created us with the ability to laugh, the ability to love, the ability to feel. God, you know, He gave us that innate ability to experience the experiences of life. The Bible says He created us in His own image. And God feels. God has emotions. God laughs. God cries. God rejoices. God is happy. God knows what our emotions are like. But God, it was never God's intention that our emotions would terrorize us and brutalize us as they so often do. I don't know. I'm sure we're, we've been talking to a wide realm of people here today that have experienced a lot of different things emotionally. But just talking about people in general, probably our emotions cause more havoc in life than anything else. And they are the result of, not really the, the, the problem. Stress is not the problem, really, in our lives. What really is the problem is managing the emotions that stress brings on. We can deal with stress. But if we don't know how to manage our emotions... Stress will always get the best of us. Pressure will always get the best of us. And we'll never be much of anything. Most of our drug problem, most of our substance abuse problem today is caused by the subject we're going to talk about today. And that is anxiety. We would tend to think, well, it's peer pressure or it's just they were raised in a family that way. But you know, that's not really why people turn to outside means to deal with life. It's because life is so uncertain. They don't know what tomorrow holds. Their lives are chaotic. And there's all types of pressures and stress that come into your life, that come into my life, and you know, they never seem to stop. I am amazed at the pressure I go through. And sometimes I'm really, I get encouraged because I step back and I go, wow, you know, if I wanted to, I could really go haywire here. I mean, that's what I used to do uh, about three years ago in this situation. I'd be climbing the wall. Now, that's really true. You know, just yesterday seemed to be one thing after another after another. Friday night, my we had a dinner appointment and my wife had to make kind of an emergency doctor's appointment at 4.30. And I knew, you know how husbands are, you won't be back in time. I, you won't be back in time. Oh, honey, I'll be back in time. Look, I know you won't be back in time. Seven o'clock. We were supposed to leave at five. Be there at five thirty. Seven o'clock. You know, Kathy gets home, and I knew I did not need to tell her I told you so. I also knew that I did need some sensitivity here because my wife is having a problem with a clot in her vein, and she needed to go get it checked out. And um, so she came back and said, "Well, Mark, the doctor thinks maybe we should go to the emergency room." And, and start taking some heparin, which is an anticoagulant type of drug. And I said, well, 
Well, do you think we can wait till tomorrow? Tomorrow morning, you know? I don't worry. And I'll really, I, you know, maybe I need to be more sensitive, experience more sensitive emotions. But, you know, I thought, well, let's, let's just go in the morning and, and everything will be fine. So we went to our dinner engagement, got up in the morning, rushed off, and I got back and someone we were expecting to come came before we were expecting them to come. And, and it just the day just kind of went, you know, how those days go. I got a call this morning at quarter to seven this morning and Nikki was calling me on the phone, Mark, I left the music tape that we're going to sing with in Wisconsin this weekend. So I told her we had no, no choice but to fly there this morning and get it. So we, we flew to Wausau this morning, and that's how we were able to do this special. I have my private pilot's license, and, and I know uh, I'm teasing. Uh, you know, and I could tell she was, oh, Mark, you know, what are we going to do? And I, and I thought, well, fortunately, she made a copy for me to practice with, see. So I said, well, I've got that. We can use that. So then we get here this morning, and never fails. All those in the band can really relate to this. There's just one thing after another that just goes haywire in life. And it's amazing sometimes to think how we react, especially sometimes privately, when we're alone. You know, the kind of volcanic eruptions of emotions that go on inside. Or the pool of tears that is shed privately. Or the primal screams that take place in a secluded place. You know? And, um, but for some people, actually for many people, anxiety is much more than maybe some of the little things that you think you go through. For many people, and I'm sure for some of us here today, our emotion and anxiety is much stronger. The word anxiety means a concern or an intense concern about something. The word worry is very interesting. I looked the word worry up and I thought maybe I was spelling it wrong. It means to choke or to strangle like an animal taking another animal by the neck. You ever seen a dog or a cat take a mouse? You ever seen what they do with it? I'm not going to do it, but you know, they just shake it really hard. They just shake the life right out of it. That's what Webster says worry is. And that's what worry, I've experienced that in my life. It just saps the energy right out of your very being. Your chest starts to get tight. Your stomach starts to hurt. Your back starts to ache. Your head starts to hurt. That's why people have Excedrin Case 1012 and Excedrin Case 1252, you know. And then Excedrin Case 1,575. That's why aspirin is the biggest selling drug in the United States. Primarily because of the lack of ability of people to manage their emotions. It can be financial. I'm sure all of us have experienced a bill we didn't expect. Or we lost a job we weren't expecting to lose. And people are depending on us. A career. Career anxiety. Marital anxiety. Friendship anxiety. Or the anxiety of not really feeling like you're making a difference in life. Or the anxiety that's brought on by the society we live in. The uncertainty of tomorrow causes tremendous anxiety in people today. Tremendous anxiety. Well, God gives us ways to deal with anxiety. Very specific ways. And one of those ways is in Proverbs chapter 12. I want to read this to you this morning. 
Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. One of the first things the Bible tells about anxiety is that it's a heavy burden. It's a heavy, heavy burden. Anybody here ever run with weights on your feet? You go out jogging and really want to... Some of you play basketball, know what that's like. Increases your jumping ability. I used to try and run with weights in my leg or, or do leg lifts with weights in my leg. That was back a year ago when I thought, you know, I'd really get back in shape. Then I gave up my vain pursuit because charm is deceitful and beauty is vain and I don't need it, you know? I don't need that kind of stomach ache, you know? After days of doing it and getting nowhere. So I just said, forget it. I'm not going to do that stuff no more. And um, that's what life is like. Anxiety is like that. Anxiety. And you know, some of you, I'm sure, maybe all of us, but some are extremists at this. Some of us, this is the greatest and most difficult thing you face in your life is your anxieties. You worry about everything. You worry about what you should wear. You worry about the food you eat. You worry about the water you drink. Do you know there's people like... I mean, there's people so paranoid about everything. It's not paranoia. It's worry. It's anxiety. It's apprehension about everything. I wonder if this meat will give me cancer. I wonder if this meat will give me cancer. Those people are called hypochondriacs. The basic symptom is worry. Or we worry, well, should I go out? You know, some people won't go out unless they read their horoscope. Because they're worried. They want something to give them confidence to live. Some people cannot make it through a day without drinking a six-pack, without a fifth, without a shot of cocaine or a shot of heroin or a snort of cocaine or whatever it is, they can't make it. And the base cause is anxiety. Anxious and worried and apprehensive and fearful. They just can't make it. Well, let us not judge because many of us can't make it through the day without being anxious. And we don't know how to deal with it either. We just get anxious. We just know some of those other things may ruin our life, but we still stay anxious. And so we go around, oftentimes with this sunken face and just kind of a gloomy everything because of the anxiety. But the Bible tells that a kind word cheers us up. Turn to Luke. I want you to turn to Luke if you want. Otherwise, I'll read this to you. Luke in chapter um, 12, in verse 22. The first thing about worry, and overcoming worry, is to realize that it's futile to worry. That worry does nothing but rob you of life, rob you of energy, rob you of joy. It robs you of your health. Did you know that doctors, many doctors believe, scientific evidence points to this, that much of the diseases we encounter are caused by body stress. They're caused by the stress of life. And people know how to cope with them. Consequently, do you know that there's many doctors that believe cancer is caused, or has one of its causes, in anxiety and worry and stress? Heart disease? You know, just feeling that no energy, no life, it chokes off the life. Headaches, back pain, all kinds of things are caused. And they bring on other things because the body 
was not built to succumb or to endure that kind of stress. Without God. Without God, you see. And it won't do it. Jesus says here, then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? I want to camp on that little thought. Which of you can add a single hour to your life by worrying? Now, do you know that in society today, people believe they do? They call it concern. They call it a concern with health. Health concern. So they run, they jog, they get concerned about the way they live, what they eat, what they do. But you see, for most people, for many people, it's an all-consuming thing. Did you know the bottom line is that worry, anxiety, getting overly concerned won't add one hour to your life at all? You have no power to do that. So if you can't even add an hour to your life, one version says a minute, why do you worry about everything else? Because your worry is not going to do one bit of good. Your wishful thinking is not going to do one bit of good. It's only going to get you wrought up inside and anxious and bothered and frustrated. So take God's word for it. Worrying is absolutely no value. It won't change a thing. That's the first point. Second point is God is bigger than your anxieties. And that's what we want to look at here. Secondly, Jesus said, I tell you, your life is more than clothes and food. Consider the ravens, they don't sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them, and how much more valuable you are than birds. Let's look on here, consider how the lilies grow, they do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today, and tomorrow's thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink, do not worry about it for the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them you see there's some things we don't understand about God that is what we talked about last week God cares about you when I was a child I don't know what your childhood was like when I was a child until the age of about 12 I did not worry I didn't worry about what I eat I didn't worry about what I'd wear I knew my dad would take care of it. I knew my mother would take care of it. I knew, boy, she was always, the meals were ready. They were always good. Except for the vegetables I didn't like and the meat I didn't like. The homemade soup I didn't like. You know, you're not very smart when, when you're that young as far as food things go. I thought, you know, broccoli was for the birds and cauliflower was for the birds and spinach made me sick and liver was awful. And then, you know, those homemade soups that your mom always makes just seem to never be as good as Campbell's. Well, you know, you get older, I think your taste buds change. I don't know. But now I can eat those things, except for liver, uh, broccoli, 
uh, Brussels sprouts. Uh, uh, some things have changed. Homemade soup. I can eat homemade soup. And, um, but sometimes as we grow up, we get too big for our own good. And we take life by the horns, and we don't, not realizing we can't. Not realizing we still need a daddy to watch out for us. And not often realizing we have a daddy who does and who wants to watch out for us if we'll let him. If we'll let him. God is bigger than everything that's going on in your life. God takes care of the sparrow. I watch the birds. You know, I never used to get into bird watching until I began to meditate on this passage. And then he began to realize and watch how, how relaxed and, and just nonchalant and, and non-anxious birds are. I mean, they whistle all day. They just fly around from one branch to the next branch, enjoying everything God made. And whenever they get a little hungry, they just come down to the ground and dig around for something, and whether it's a seed or a grass or a worm. I've never seen a skinny bird. You know? And they live their life and they die. And the Bible says not one of them falls to the ground, but God knows it. Now, isn't that amazing? You look at the lilies. Look at the lilies, you know? God clothes them beautifully. There's never been anyone who's been able to dress as royally or elegantly as the lilies of the field. Or all the flowers that God made. They don't do anything. They're just there. God waters them or He uses us to water them and the sun shines on them and they grow. Wouldn't it be nice, just dream with me for a minute, to be a flower? I mean, wouldn't it be nice to be a bird and be able to fly away? like Brad talked about this morning, to be able to float on the air, to be able to just, who cares about tomorrow? You ever see worm, uh, birds storing up worms? They don't. They don't. Because God feeds them. And every day, they just down and they get what they need and they go to the next day and they get what they need. And I'm not talking about being lazy or not planning, but I am talking about the wonderful joy of living life without anxiety. And birds and flowers do it. And God wants you to be able to do that. He really does. So that's what he says here. He makes the comparison. He says, now listen, guys, don't worry about your food and clothes. I got other things for you. I got more important things for you. Don't worry about them. That's what everyone else is living for. That's what everyone else is consumed with. Don't you be. God is bigger than our problems. The third point is to maintain your perspective. Maintain your perspective. There really are more important things than food and clothing. Sometimes we get very tunneled vision. And all we can see is that anxiety or that problem. We begin to see it as the only thing that matters in life. It could be with a relationship. We get tunnel vision in relationships. And all that matters is this one thing and it's just we're all worked up about it. Or it could be our job. I've been amazed as I look back and, and realize all the things God has taken me through in my life and realize that in the past, before I really came to know Christ, I would have never made it through. One particular instance that comes to my mind was when I was cooking at Ramada Inn. This is many, many years ago. And um, being a grill cook is not a lot of fun. But... I needed a job to survive. And it was all I could get, so I took the job. 
It was at 5.30 in the morning I started. And I am not a 5.30 in the morning person. But I was married and I knew I needed to work. And that at the time was all I could get. So I, I went to do, and I'd never been a grill cook before, but I figured, well, God says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, so I can be a grill cook. Sure, I can do it. So I got this job. And about two weeks after I'd been there, the NCAA wrestling finals for the whole country were in Hilton Coliseum. And all the wrestlers were staying at Ramada Inn. Wonderful. Man, you never seen people eat like wrestlers or football players. Unbelievable. So I'm there, and I didn't realize this. And I come in, and this was a Friday morning. You know, Friday, you're ending your week. And I came in and was getting all my equipment ready, everything heated up just right. And in walks 75 wrestlers all at once. Now, I'm the only grill cook. Okay, the only one. And there's three waitresses. And then there was one guy who was the dishwasher who really didn't like me and he would stand against the wall <laughs> he dropped an egg <laughs> and I would and he would do that he would really do that so oh man this is pressure I'm telling you so these guys are hungry and they want food now now we didn't have a buffet we didn't have a smorgasbord was all off the menu. Now, you may not know the difference between an over-easy egg and a hard egg, a scrambled egg, a medium-soft egg, an omelet, you know, pancakes with blueberries in them, pancakes without blueberries in them, and everything going on in the same two grills. Oh, and I like an order of hash brown. I want some hash. I want the steak and lobster. The broiler's down over here. Well, needless to say, uh, that, is, that was a pressure cooker. It was hot, and I'm back there, trying to keep up, keep the toaster going, and keep the waffles, someone wanted waffles, so the waffle iron's over here. In the meantime, an over-easy egg needs to be gotten off, or it's going to be an over-hard egg. And you go, and so you know what happens? You go to get it off the grill, and you poke the yolk. The yolk breaks, and now it's hard. You've got to throw it and start all over. This grill was covered. There was eggs on the floor, and I was slipping around. Trying to get everybody their food, you know, and the eggs would fall in this kid would stand there. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. Finally, I took an egg and threw it against the wall. I thought, well, Lord, if I gotta clean up the floor, I might as well clean the wall too. <laughs> oh man, I'll tell you, that was pressure. And uh but you know, that was mild for me. Because a year before that, I would have quit. Many of you would have. You would have walked up and said, You're a jerk, Mr. Chef. If you think I am going to be the only guy up here while this joker laughs at me and I do this, you're crazy. Bye. Who needs this job? And I know a lot of people, that's how they deal with pressure. Now, I'm not saying I dealt with it the best either. But I was amazed that I even got through the morning, you know, and showed up the next day because I had to work Saturday morning. And there they were again. I was kind of ready for them this time. But not really. I was ready mentally, you know, a little more mentally. But God began to help me realize a little lesson that perspective is this. Mark, you do the best you can. And I'm with you. And I'm not going to leave you. 
and I'll help you. And these guys may not think all their breakfasts are the best. All you can do is the best you can. The very best you can. And just relax. I'll handle this. I'll bear this burden of pressure. The next day went a lot better. Because I realized that I need to keep perspective. If I was trying to keep 75 guys pleased, it just wouldn't work. That was preparation for keeping 55 girls happy for a year straight when my wife and I cooked for sorority. Now let me tell you, that's pressure. Sorority girls are very picky about what they eat and what they don't eat and what they like and what they don't like. And they don't all like peas and they don't all like cheese and they don't all like chicken and they don't like fish. And I, I remember those days and how God would just begin to build and build. And, and one of the things, one of the main things that helped was realizing God cared about this and that I needed to maintain perspective. That God was happy with me. I didn't have to worry about pleasing 55 girls. All I had to do, my wife and I, was do the very best that we could do. And we could handle that. We could handle that. If people made unreasonable demands on me, I didn't get upset. I just said, well, I just want to assure you, we'll do the best we can about that. Never had a problem with that. Why? Because people are unreasonable. And they make unreasonable demands. And they ask you to do things you cannot possibly do. Don't kick them in the teeth about it. Don't get frustrated about it. Just tell them, hey, I'll do the best I can do. And then go do the best you can do. But don't let worry, anxiety, and total confusion rob you and it'll ruin your work situation. The fourth thing is found in Psalm 94 and verse 19. Psalm 94 and verse 19. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It says, When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. When my anxiety was great within me, your consolations brought joy to my soul. How many times in my life have I gone to the Bible for comfort and for encouragement? Times without number. I have probably read Romans chapter 8, the last 15 verses, at least a thousand times in the last 12 years. Who can separate us from the love of God? Can things present, things to come, problems, sickness, disease? No. No. But in all these things, we'll overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. How many times I have gone to that passage? How many times I have gone to that passage that says, If God be for us, who can be against us? How many times I have looked at Isaiah 43 that says, Since you are precious in my sight and honored and because I love you, I will never leave you. When you pass through the water, I'll be with you. And through the fire, you will not be scorched. You've got to remember where to go to get real comfort. That's the fourth point. Remember where to go to get real comfort. So often in our lives, our tendency is to look to people with our anxiety. The difficulty is that usually, at that time, people let you down. And usually it's because your expectation is greater than they realize, and they're not able to really come up to par with what you really think they ought to do, and you just get let down. 
Or we turn to a multitude of other places. We, we'll go spend money. We'll go watch TV. We'll try to sleep. We'll try to eat. We'll drink. We'll do any number of things. But when it's all done, the anxiety's still there. Remember that first proverb. Anxiety in a man weighs his heart down. But a kind word cheers him up. Do you know where you get kind words? Right here. Right here. The Bible. The Bible is the greatest instrument in the world for dealing with stress, for dealing with anxiety. I use it every single day because every single day, anxiety comes into my life. I don't know that I've lived one day of my life without anxiety, without it coming. And I also have not lived one day that I can remember in the last 12 years not some way going to this book and getting comfort. The book of Psalms, if you don't always know where to start, is a great place to get comfort. Great place. The fifth and last point is remember to cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. Remember that little song we sang this morning. Psalm 55. Remember the little thought last week? He cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your anxiety on Him for His concern is for you. God cares about your anxiety. And the Bible tells us in Philippians to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and, and request, make, make your needs known to God, your anxieties known to God, with thanksgiving, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. And that's where the attack of anxiety is on our hearts and our minds. And it just pummels us and pummels us. Learn to be good fishermen. Learn to cast that anxiety to God. And then learn to let go of the reel. Let go of the fishing rod. You don't need to bring it back in. Let it go. And give it to God. And God promises that peace will guard your heart. So remember... Anxiety never pays. God is bigger than your anxiety. Maintain your perspective. And remember to cast your anxiety on God. And remember to go to His Word to get comfort. His consolation, His comfort will bring great joy and peace to your heart. Lord, we thank you.